I'm going to read the very familiar passage uh, that's quoted quite often. And then we're going to find out the context for that very familiar passage. So if you have your Bibles or your electronic gadgets, turn with me to Jeremiah 29. And we're going to pick up in verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, oh, I forgot something. Yeah. I want you to go ahead, Thomas, and put that picture up there. They didn't know this picture. Because, see, people have been asking me about, okay, what's going on with the adoption? Well, this is what's going on. Uh, this was, I think, the, the second visit they had with them, and they had a third visit the other day. And, and so you see the two girls by Andy there to his left and the young boy uh, down on uh, Jen's right. Oh, Andy's right, too. Yeah. There's nobody to the le left of Andy. Those are the ones that are being adopted, and so just keep praying that that process will continue in motion, and then uh, we'll have a, a much larger family. All right? So, okay. Yay. Yay. So that's why I tell people when they tell, hey, Dave, would you do this? I said, hey, remind me in case I forget, because sometimes I do. All right, Jeremiah 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I want you to say this with me. The Lord knows the plans he has for me. Do you believe that? Yes. All right, good. Now, we go into context here. I want you to remember that you said you believe that, okay? Because sometimes... It's not like at McDonald's where you pull up to the one window and you put the order in and then you pull up to the next window and you pay and then you get your stuff. It's not always like that with God. How many of you discovered that? I mean, one day is like what? A thousand years to God and a thousand years are like a day. So where in that scale do we fit sometimes in the promises of God? He says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. How many of you are grateful for that? And then it goes in and to give you a future and a hope. You know, how many of you know we got a long future that stretches out before us? But how many of you know this? You, when you accepted Jesus, you stepped into that future. You're not waiting for it to happen. You stepped into it. Now, you're not, not the totality of it, but you stepped into that future right now, and you have a hope. We call it the blessed hope. In those days, you will pray, and I will listen. In what days? You ever ask yourself that when you're reading this, this stuff like that? In those days, when you pray, I will listen. So, you know what? You go to commentaries and you say, I wonder what it means there in those days. And you know the disappointing thing is? A lot of times they just skip over that stuff. And I wanted some help. So I knew Ray would be here and he could tell me what that means. And he says, no, Dave, don't do that to me. I was just kidding, Ray. In those days. It means in those days when these things begin to unfold, the, the plans that I have for you that are good and not for disaster and, and for the hope. See, because what you got to understand here is when, when Jeremiah is speaking to these people, 
the situation isn't that wonderful. You know, and so, and, and here's another thing. They were kind of mad at God because he's sending this to people who are in exile. He's sending this letter to people who are in exile. How many of you know that Jerusalem was a very important place to the Jewish folks? Very important. And, and what was there in Jerusalem that made it so important? The temple. What did they do at the temple? They, they worshiped God because that's where his presence was. Although, you know, there was a time when they wrote Ichabod over that. You know what that means? How many knows what Ichabod is? What does it mean? The glory has departed. Why did the glory depart? Yeah, bad boys. I mean, sin. Okay? Let's just nail it. Sin. In those days, though he says, you will do what? Pray. Why were you think they were going to pray? <laughs> they needed help. Okay, that's a good one. Why do you think they were praying? Anybody in here ever pray? Anybody in here ever pray? How many of you pray sometimes in a mechanical kind of way? How many of you know there's a difference between mechanical prayer and prayers of desperation? When you really need God to do things. And, and so that's where they were. In those days when you pray, he will do what? I will. How many of you think that's pretty important for God to listen? In other words, you're going to have attention. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Have any of you ever, I know this will be an indictment, so you don't have to shake your head or raise your hand, but you've looked for God less than wholeheartedly. See, what does it mean to look for God wholeheartedly? What does that mean? How many of you guys are sports fans? Now, a couple of you started raising your hand, but then you saw other people weren't raising their hand. You thought, oh, wait a minute. It's okay to be a sports fan. And it's okay if you're not a sports fan. All right? Here's what I'm going to draw, though. How many of your, your, one of your teams played sometime in one of the 40-some bowls that there were? You know? And then, and, then, and then some of you, because you're like me, you don't have cable TV and stuff, and you notice that most of the bowls are on ESPN. I don't know what they paid for all that, but it must have been a lot. And in fact, the national championship games that lead up there, they're on ESPN too. And I wasn't very happy about that, you know, because I kind of wanted to see it, but it ended up being a disaster anyway for the two teams that lost. In fact, many of the bowl games have been a disaster, you know. And, and so my, my daughter-in-law, she's from Michigan. Yeah. And, and so she was just rubbing it in Andy's face, 
because he's a Florida fan, that Michigan just kind of trounced Florida. And so she was at this thing wholeheartedly <laughs> doing it. So that means you're just going for it. You know, hey, did you see the score? Well, no, I didn't because I turned it off. You know, that was one of the few games that they televised that probably shouldn't have been televised, except if you're a Michigan fan. But wholeheartedly, you know, you're rooting. If you're, if you're a NASCAR person, you know, and I know most NASCAR people got to be from the South. That's not true. I'm a NASCAR kind of fella. And, you know, I was rooting wholeheartedly for Jeff Gordon to win again. And I was disappointed when, when he didn't. But, you know, that's the way it goes. And, and so he's saying to them, if you'll look for me wholeheartedly, and that means with everything, you're going to do what? You're going to find me. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, he's doing a disappearing act. It means that, that he's going to come near to them. And all of us need that, don't we? We need him to come near to us. And so that he says that. He says, I will be found by you, and I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. There's a big word that we use for God. It means he's sovereign. How many of you in here think you understand the sovereignty of God? I know the big word, but I don't understand the sovereignty of God totally. You, you see, because there are times when I kind of wish he wasn't sovereign, and he kind of do the things I wish he would do, but you know, at the other times, I'm glad that he doesn't do the things I wish he would do. I mean, let's just be honest here for a second. Any of you ever get disappointed by what God doesn't do, that you know his word says that he does those things, but in your case, he didn't do it? You ever, that ever happened? It happens to me. You know, there are people that, that I know, I'd like to see God step right into the midst of their life and, and touch them for whatever it is, for healing, for deliverance, you name it. And, and he hasn't done it sometimes. And so I get, I mean, I just tell him, you know, God, I don't really like the way you're doing things. But you know what? I trust you. And I know that you have a bigger picture than a little microscopic view that I have. And so I'm going to trust you that you're at work. I was thinking about this, and this, this, is, this is an aside from where I'm going here, but I was thinking about I don't know why this came to my mind. And some of you just relax. I was thinking about giving and tithing. And oh boy, he's going to hit us up now. 
No, 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 no. Relax, okay? Don't let sweat drops drip down your face here on this. But I was thinking about tithing and, and, and you know, how people want to kind of force you to do those things sometimes. I mean, that's what a pastor, preach a sermon. Let's, let's do the proving of the tithe kind of thing. And I thought, eh, let's just put it in a nutshell here. This is what I think about tithing. I think that tithing is an expression of your love for God. And it's an act of obedience, and it demands that you trust Him. Now, here's what I know. Some of you in this room, you're not there. Let's just, you're not there. And, and so you could be like the people there when Jesus was preaching, and, and, and they're throwing in big bills. You know? But the one that got commended was the one that threw in probably the smallest amount of money. And God said, that's the one. She trusts me. She has confidence in me. She loves me. And I thought about that and I thought, that's what tithing is. It's an expression of love, an act of obedience, and trusting God. That's what it is. And so if you're not there, ask him, God, help me get there. You see, you go, you can relax now, see? That's it. That's what came to my mind in this. See, because when I read that word wholeheartedly, that's what it means when it comes to giving and tithing. It means you're wholeheartedly trusting God that he's going to provide. And so, you know, if you're not there, ask him to help you get there. See, it's not. Well, I'll give more if Dave preaches better. Uh, I'll give more if Rick picks out the right songs to sing or, or Clayton picks them out. How many of you know we learned a couple new songs this morning? Yeah. You go, oh, yeah, I know that was overload. Why? You know, and, and so you're doing it because you're, you're doing it as an act of obedience to God. Yeah. Oh, you would. Hold on, hold it. Come on up here, Tony. Your heart's going flop, flop, flop. Well, I hope, I hope it's going flop, flop, flop. I mean, okay, it's on. It's just, uh, it's just that I mentioned this in our intercessory prayer group one time. And <coughs> now when the pastor's talking about tithing, I'm thinking I've just got to stand up and say something because you cannot outgive God. It's just amazing what he will do when you will tithe. It, it's just, I mean, he just opens those storehouses. And you have so, your money goes further than you would ever think it would, could go just because you're tithing. Sometimes I wonder... Where's this money coming from that I can give to somebody? Because we never had extra money. But I'll tell you, God opens those storehouses when you tithe. It's just a miracle that happens. And so I just, you got to tithe. That's all there's to it. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else you want to say something here? 
Oh, I see that hand. Well, wait a minute. I know. Go ahead. Mine too, but you know, go ahead. I just want to say that in Malachi 6, it's the only place in the whole Bible where the word the Lord challenges and says, give me what is mine and see if I will open the doors of heaven. Kind of like what Tony was talking about, right? Yeah. So you know what you got to do, don't you? In fact, he uses a word there. He says, test me. Test me. And that's what, that's what proved the tithe is. But I'm not going to go there with that. I just, go ahead. Trust him. Be wholehearted about that. All right? Now, some of you are glad we're going to move on from there, okay? <laughs> I gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. All right? How many of you have ever spoken that word out? God, I, I know that you know the plans you have for me. And it's for, not for bad, but it's for good. And, and you've spoken that to other people. And it's wonderful, isn't it? Well, let's look at the context here of what he's saying and where that comes from. So let's jump back up to verse 1. Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was a strong, powerful king there. And if you want to know a lot about him, go to tur- turn to Daniel and read about him. Now, Daniel's one of the prophets there, and there's another prophet there, a big-name prophet. Who was it? I'll give you a clue. It's another one of the big four. How many of you know that there are four major prophets? Okay, and I'm reading from one of them, and I talked about Daniel. There's only two others. Isaiah is one of them, but that's not the one that's in exile. So who would it be? Ezekiel, that's right. So when he's talking, those two big guns are over there in, in, in Babylon. And it says, Jeremiah wrote to the elders and the priests and, and all the prophets who were exiled in Babylon by the king Nebuchadnezzar. And this was after King Jehoiachin, or you might have Jeconiah in your translation, the mother queen, the courts, the court officials, the other officials of Judah, and all the craftsmen and the artisans had been deported from Jerusalem. He sent the letter from Elisha, son of Shaphan, and Gemariah to the son of Hilkiah. Now, aren't you glad you're not reading this? <laughs> when he went to Babylon as King Zedekiah's ambassadors to Nebuchadnezzar. So here, here's the deal. This is why he's going to take this letter. He's going to send this letter through these couriers, and, and, and they were going to go there. And that was just protocol for the day. Because what you did when you were in captivity, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, who's quite a ways away, wants to find out, hey, how's everything going in this vassal kingdom that I, that's under my kingdom? And, and so they would send letters to him and say, hey, things are going good. There's no rebellion right now and things like that. Because there had already been rebellion. That's why Nebuchadnezzar came in the first place to uh, come against them. And this is what Jeremiah says in the letter. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to the captives. He has exiled exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. And this is what he's going to say to them. Build homes and plan to stay. Build homes and 
plan to stay. Because you know what the false prophets were saying? They were saying, oh, hey, a couple years, we're going to be out of here. And Jeremiah says, no, here's the word from the Lord. You know, the one who, who's the Lord of heaven's army. You need to listen to this. Build homes and plan to stay. I want you to stop with me and put, your shoe, put yourself in the shoes of those Israelites. Where was home for them? Jerusalem. Where was the place they worshipped? Jerusalem, the temple. And here's God saying in the midst of this godless people, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. How long does that take? A while, right? <laughs> Build homes. Plan to stay. Plant gardens. Find spouses for your children so that you can have grandchildren. What's that represent? Three generations at least, right? Now, how many of you know that before they can have children, they got to reach the age of puberty? All right? And, and, and so we're talking teenagers. And, and so this isn't really what they wanted to hear. Wait a minute, Jeremiah. No wonder we don't like you. No wonder we cut up your prophecies and put you in a well and stuff like that. We just don't really care for you. Because you, you give hard stuff. And he says, multiply and don't dwindle away. Now look at verse 7. And work for what? Peace and prosperity for what? For the city that you're in. Wow. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to work for the peace and prosperity of the city that you're in. What city are you in? Oh, I didn't... That was rhetorical. <laughs> but thank you. What city are you in? I know I don't say Lakeland, okay? Because not all of you are in Lakeland. What city are you in and are you praying for the peace and prosperity of that city? Because he goes on to say, pray to the Lord for it and for its welfare will determine your welfare. Do you know what's going to change the evil cities of our country? What's going to change the evil cities of our country? Believers. Working for peace and the prosperity and praying that God will have his way in those cities. 
And if we do that, it says this, that it's for the welfare for who? For our welfare. You see, we've got things messed up. We think if you pass enough legislation, that's going to bring peace to our cities. If we pass enough gun laws, that's going to bring peace to our cities. Well, how many of you know this? There was an incident just recently in a big city in the world where they have probably have more gun control than any place else. You know where that was? Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. I mean, they got it buckled down there pretty tight. What Did you ever wonder, how did that person get a gun? And see, you say, well, Dave, what are you, you, you for, you're going to carry a six-gun around now? Oh, only if I live in Texas. See, then I can carry it on my holster, and I, can, you know, I don't have to have a, a sealed permit. I can just carry it on my holster. Oh, like a cowboy. I could even get cowboy boots and a hat and a whole nine yards, you know? Yeah, and, yeah spurs. And I need the boots, you know, make me look bigger, taller. Yeah, look, have a great stature, you know. Yeah, but I want you to think about this with me. This is serious stuff. Because the cities that we live in are in trouble. How many of you, on a daily basis, whether it's in Lakeland or Winter Haven or wherever you're from, Every, almost every day you can read about somebody being killed, stuff going on. And, and, and I, and I want to say this to you, too. Every law person that's out there is not a bad person. How many of you would like to have their job right now? I mean, I, yeah, there's some bad apples out there. But there's some great ones out there, too. And you know what? They have families just like we do. And and so we need to be praying for our law enforcement people. I mean, they're almost in a catch-22. It's kind of like, you know, when I was telling you about in in our school systems today, it's like a catch-22. There's so much stuff going on. And so we need to pray for the welfare of our cities. And, 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 and with this kind of idea about prayer, okay, God, what do you got in mind? You're at work in my city, God. How would you use me in this city? Who is it you would have me impact? And, and see, it doesn't mean that you're going to get a big name and you're going to Put, put it out there on a billboard or something like that. Because how do cities get changed anyway? One person at a time. Okay. How many of you are, are persons in here? <laughs> Teresa's thinking about it, but... <laughs> no, listen, we're all persons. And so God's going to use us to touch other people. And, and so we got to be anticipating that. we got to be expecting that. And listen to me. Do you think that he sent the gifts of the Spirit just so that we could brag that maybe we have one? 
Or do you think maybe he's given those gifts to the church to activate in the culture in which we live? I mean, in Vineyard we say what? Everybody plays. I want to ask you this, though. Are you playing? See, are you playing? And whatever that means for you, because it means different things for different folks. And we got to understand that. And so what is it that God's equipped you to do, and you need to do it? That's what it means. You know, we're going to talk about missions next month, and, and, and one of the theme is the theme is get threaded in. Because that means that, you know what that means? Everybody plays. Get threaded in. What thread is your part in the whole tapestry of God's unfolding purposes and the things that He wants to do? And, and where are you going to do that? Wherever you are, whether you're teaching at Travis Votech, is that where you are now? Yeah. Or you're retired and, and, and you get to visit the mall and walk around. Or, or you work over here at the Publix dock, you know. Or you're over there uh, taking bids for a roofing company. Or you're making signs back there. I mean, it's for everybody. See, that's the thing that we, we lose sight of sometimes. Well, if, if I could just preach. <laughs> okay. Do it. You may not get to do it here, but you'll get to do it. You know, there's a group called the Sidewalk Prophets. Be one of them. Go out there and deliver that message out there. Because you know what? Somebody needs to hear your story. How many of you believe that you've got an important story? How many believe that? I mean, very few of you. <laughs> you want to raise your hand? Because if I do, Dave's going to call me and say, well, what is that story? You know, no, you've already done that. I asked you to crystallize your story in 75 words or less. There was a reason for that. Because somebody might not want to hear 2,000 words. But they might want to hear what, how God has impacted your life. And you give them the Reader's Digest version. Because, guess what? We were all sinners. Saved by grace. And you know what? There's a whole bunch of people out there just like we were. And they need to hear the same story. They need to be impacted by that story that you have. You say, well, yeah, you know, if I could just quote more scripture. Well, the big deal there is got to read it to quote it. You know, you got to read it to quote it, then you got to memorize it and stuff like that. But that's not what necessarily they're looking for. How much scripture you got memorized. What they want to know is what's going on in your life. How does Jesus really make a difference? That's what they want to hear. And they, not only do they want to hear it, they want to see it. And so, you know, if they look at you and you're no different than the average Joe that's working around you, they go, hey, there's nothing to this thing. How many of you know people are watching us continually? Any of you like me, you slip up? Okay, you screw up. 
you mess up. You know, I tell God I must be the biggest mess up on the planet. You know, because I have to do a lot of repenting. Just ask my wife, she'll tell you. No, I, I do. And it's not for immoral stuff, so don't go there with that. You know, don't look for my picture on the National Enquirer. That's not that kind of deal. It's just mess-ups. Getting mad at a weed eater. <laughs> you know? That's... You guys laugh. Most of the time I get mad at inanimate objects. Christmas, yeah. Who's, who said that? Hey, you know what? That Christmas tree is gone now. It's been burnt up. I didn't burn it up. But it did well. And he says, and this is what the Lord of Heaven's army the God of Israel says, don't let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, said the Lord. You know what he's saying there? Be discerning. Everything that you hear isn't right on. Some of what you hear may sound very good and can be very enticing, but you want to say, is that what the Word of God says overall? Because how many of you know this? You can pull stuff out of context and make it say almost what you want it, want it to say. And, 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 and so that's what he's saying. Watch out for those people how many of you know this? Truth is truth is truth. That means if it can be applied in America, it can be applied, John, in Arian Jaya. Right? It can be applied right straight across the board. How many of you know the, the theology didn't flow out of America? How many of you know that? It flowed out of where? The Middle East. Isn't that interesting? God's word predominantly flowed out of the Middle East. Wow, I wonder if that has anything to do with the conflict that's going on there now. You see, we sang, this is war. I want you to know something. There is a war out there going on. And here's the deal. God wants all that territory back. It belongs to Him. It does not belong to those who don't believe in the God who's Trinity. It doesn't. And you know what? They will never have it. I want you to hear me say that. They're never going to have it all. Do you know why? Right there. That's why. Because God sent His Son to redeem all of mankind. And He's at work. And He's drawing people to Himself. 
That's what the war is about. See, it's bigger than a skirmish. God's going for it all. And this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. Oh my gosh. I mean, he would already stirred up a hornet's nest already. But when he said 70 years, I mean 70 years. You know what happens when you're 70 years old? <laughs> Who said nothing? <laughs> no, I tell you what it is. You're the ancient of days. Yeah, see, you're the, the ancient of, of, of days. So that's like forever. Just ask young people. 70 years. I mean, they didn't want to hear that. 70 years. Man. And then I will come and do all the good things you have. I want to ask you this. How many of you, you in here, don't raise your hand. God's given you a promise. And the promise is based on His Word. And you have not seen that promise become reality. And so you've shelved it. Why? Why have you shelved it? And how many of you know there's a difference between hanging on the promises of God and trying to make those promises become reality? Big difference. And so he's given you a promise and you haven't seen it fulfilled yet. Well, hang on to it. Hang on to it. Because he gave it. And, and Isaiah says this. My words never, never, ever return what? But they'll do what? Accomplish the purpose for which I have sent it out. Listen, he doesn't give words just to tickle our ears or to make us feel good. He gives words because he wants to draw us right into the middle of his activity. And so he will accomplish that. And that's what he's saying to these, these exiles. And then I want you to jump down to verse 15. You claim the Lord has raised up prophets for you in Babylon. But this is what the Lord says about the king who sits on David's throne and all those still living there in Jerusalem. See, because they thought, we're, we're in bad shape here. We're in exile. But boy, those people back in Jerusalem, I mean, they got it good. And this is what God says. Your relatives who were not exiled to Babylon, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. I will send war, famine, and disease upon them and make them like bad figs, too rotten to eat. Yes, I will pursue them with war and famine and disease, and I will scatter them around the world in every nation where I send them. I will make them an object of damnation, horror, contempt, and mockery, for they've refused to listen to me. 
though I have spoken to them repeatedly through the prophets I sent. And you who are in exile have not listened either, says the Lord. What brings the judgment of the Lord according to the passage that we read today? Disobedience. Disobedience brings the judgment of the Lord. And it doesn't matter if you're in Jerusalem or you're in exile. What is it God wants? Obedience and trust in Him and a relationship. We've got a future. How many of you believe we have a bright future? I don't know what 2016 holds at all. I don't. But I know that my future is in the hands of the great I am. And that I can trust him. And I know that you can too. And I have a hope. What is my hope? What's your hope? What is it? Is your hope that many people in 2016 will experience a personal relationship with Jesus? Above everything else, that has to be our hope that God will use us to penetrate the cultures that we live in, whether it's Winter Haven or Plant City or, or Brandon or Lakeland or where are we at, Joe? Lakeland. Newport Ritchie. Well, they're pretty close. <laughs> or Newport Ritchie. See, because he has a plan, and the plan is to use us. And when is he going to use us? We will seek Him wholeheartedly. It says, then we will find Him. And you know what? When we find Him, I want to tell you something else. Other people are going to find Him. Stand with me. Now, there may be someone here this morning, and I don't know, but you haven't found Him. And I want you to know something. He's been looking for you and pursuing you all along. There's not a single person in here that has a relationship with Jesus that it wasn't initiated by Jesus. The Holy Spirit drew you. That's what happened to me, and that's what happened to anyone else in here who has a relationship. But maybe you're here, and you have not experienced that, and God's tugging on your heart. And if that's you, when I have the prayer teams come on up, Two or three other prayer teams, come on up here. Not everybody has to come, but two or three at least. Go ahead. Come on. Keep coming, Teresa. Come on. Yeah. And, and, if, and if we fill these up, there will be more people that can come up, okay? 
But maybe that's you. You don't have a relationship with him. You don't know about these promises. You never experienced it. But right now, kind of like what was going on with Tony, your heart's just beating real fast. Because the Spirit's doing something, and you need to respond. And so don't be afraid to do that. Or maybe you're here and you need a fresh touch from God. Maybe the fire's kind of burnt down a little bit and, and you need a fresh touch from Him. Or maybe you're here and you need a healing. Whatever it is you need, when we do the song that Clayton's going to do, I just want you to come. Don't look around and see who's going to come. That's ridiculous, really. Don't look around what other people are doing. You do what God's placed on your heart because He's speaking to you. And whatever it is that he wants you to do, I want you to respond in obedience to him. You know why? Because he loves you. He loves you. So let's pray together. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you have plans for us. And that word was spoken to people who were in exile, who had lost hope and didn't know that they had a future. And you spoke that to their hearts. And you speak it to our hearts because you have plans for us. You have intentions. And it's not just for us personally, but it's for the cities, the culture that we live in, God. You want to use us to make a difference. No matter what we do, no matter what station of life we're in, you want to use us to make a difference. And so here we are, Lord. Like Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. And so that's the way we feel. God, use us to make a difference in this world. One person at a time. 